as you're seated, grab your phones, pull them out, hold them in your hand if you didn't already have them in your hands. We don't kind of leave anywhere or go anywhere without them. If you have one of those smartphones, if you don't, you can go ahead and put your phone away. Uh, But if you have a smartphone, hold it up, all right? I want you to hold your phone up in the air. I'm going to do a little bit of a test here. If you have an iPhone, okay, uh, go ahead and shake it. Give it a shake, shake, shake. All right. If you have a Pixel or whatever, a Google phone, Google phone, shake it. Okay. There's maybe one or two out there. Okay. If you have a Galaxy, shake it, shake it, shake it. All right. Now keep it all up in the air. All right. If you have a smartphone, I want to see all the smartphones in the air. Okay. And make the light come on because I want to see it in the room. All right. All right, you can, yeah, shine the light at me if you want to. That's good. All right, like a concert here. Now, here's the thing. If you know, now, here, listen to this next question. If you do, cannot answer this question off the top of your head, I want you to put your phone down immediately. All right? So look around the room. See how many people know that they have a smartphone. The other people, either they don't know that they have a smartphone or they don't have one. All right, so here's the question. If you know the operating system of your phone and the version of your operating system, keep your phone in the air. Okay, there's a few of you out there that do. All right, thank you. But about half of you don't. Now you can turn your lights off before your batteries go dead and uh, and listen in. I don't know if you have the iOS 14.4. Now, needless to say, I had to look that up. I, I did not know what I had, but I knew I was going to ask that question. So I got an update this past week on my phone, and, and I know that I'm running the 14.4 uh, edition of the iPhone iOS. Now, maybe you've got the, uh, I had to look these up as well, J7 or the S10 or the OnePlus 8. Pro. Most people don't know what operating system they're operating their phones off of or their phones are operating off of. They do know, absolutely, do I have the iPhone 10? Do I have the 12? Do I have the Pro? Do I have the Max? Do I have the Galaxy, what is it, S... Uh, S10 or S whatever. I don't know. Why would you have a Galaxy phone anyway? I don't know. But uh, sorry, sorry. That's personal. I know that gets a little personal for people. Uh, S21. That's what it is. So, you know, whatever phone you have, you you know what your phone's name is, but a lot of people don't know what the operating system that tells their phone what to do, that tells their phone how to act, that tells their phone how to think. That literally is the, is, is, is the brains behind it. If you take away the operating system, I have plastic little pieces of metal and I have glass. And that's all I have. Now, I might have a cool case uh, with a kitty cat on it or pink or uh, this is a little wallet case. The wallet or the case may fit your personality. So you might have your your expensive $1,000 phone in a plastic case, which I advise, uh, or some kind of protection. Uh, but it always says something about you. But here's the problem. We know a lot about our cases. We know a lot about our phone name. Names and, and and the 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 potential capabilities of it, but so few of us understand the operating system that tells the phone what to do, when to do it, how to do it, with whom to do it. It is the 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 conscience of it. It's the brains, if you will, of it. You cannot have a phone. You can have all the technology in there, but if the operating system isn't functioning correctly, it will mess up. The problem is, is you can get viruses. 
You can get things that mess things up on your phone. And then they'll send out a new update to fix those things. Now, how does, how does this affect and how does it pertain to Genesis chapter 3 where we will be today? Is we have, every one of us in this room has an operating system. Now, we have a shell, we have a case that we put on us. And it's the fashions that we wear. And some of us are wearing a lot of red today because of the chiefs. Uh, maybe, maybe the fashion is the, 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 what you want to say about yourself on the outside. And, but then there's this, this, there's this expensive computer, if you will, that, that is you, that is intricately made in a laboratory that actually God made and he spoke it into existence. But what we don't realize is that there is an operating system inside of you. And there's an operating system inside of me. And that we cannot miss that because what happens is just like there can be a virus and just like there can be a hack happen to our phones, so it can happen to you and to me. In fact, I'll propose to you today that every one of our operating systems from this side of the room to this side of the room, every one of our operating systems has been hacked. We're suffering from a virus that is more deadly than COVID or Ebola. And this virus, if not dealt with properly, will literally mess up the who, the what, the why, the how, the with whom that we do what we do. So we have to be very cognizant of it. It was so much evident in David's life that when David was writing in his own journal form, in Psalm 51, he said it this, like this, I was born a sinner. I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. What, what David is saying about his operating system is it's messed up. My operating system is messed up. I come into this world. This operating system is not, the virus, the hack is not called COVID. It's not called Ebola. It's called sin. And I know we don't like to talk about it, but hang with me on this. Because this really is foundational to everything about our life. And it answers, listen, listen, listen. It answers a lot of the questions that we have about life. If we understand that we have been hacked, and even though this past week, my, our, Lori and I's daughter gave birth, and son gave birth to two incredible grandbabies, and I just happen to have photos of them, alright? Yes, this is the first moment that I got to lay eyes on them, and hold them. And it was a awe, inspiring moment and I have more photos on my phone that I can show you later on but uh, just come up to me and say show me another photo I got more and so here's the thing and I'm going to say this and you're going to have to hear me all the way out but even though James and Selah are beautiful and their skin is soft and they're incredible and I think they're as near perfection as perfection can be they were born sinners that may not set well with some But I want to say from the get-go, everyone in this room and every child born this week or any other week has a failed operating system that has to be addressed. That's why this message is so important. And if you go and you look in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures and you find statements like this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. 
of all things, is desperately wicked? And and, and who can really know how bad it is? When you find verses like that, you want to run to the other part of Jeremiah where it talks about God has a a plan for you and it's of a hope and of a future. None of us want to memorize Jeremiah 17.9. But if the reality is, is that God may have a future and a hope for you, but we've got to deal with this problem first. We've got to deal with the hack. We've got to deal with the virus. We've got to deal with the problem that is deep down inside of us that is literally messing us up in who, what, where, how, everything that's going on about us. Whether it comes out of us or it remains inside of us, it is a part of us. And I want you to hang on to that word, deceitful. Just hang on to it, and I'll come back to it. So where does all this come from? Where does it, where does it come from? Because whenever you remember, we just finished a, an entire section of Genesis where it talked about how we were made. We were made in the image of God. We were made in the likeness of God. I mean, there's all these things about our identity. Guys, roll that slide forward. Uh, so all about the identity of God, the image of God, the likeness of God, the breath that he, of God that is put in inside of us, and that God has a plan for us and actually has a task for us to do while we're, while we're living on this. And he has blessed us. That's some beautiful reality there. That we're made it. So don't let your, your identity get lost in all the things that the world wants to get your identity lost in. Cause then you're going to be struggling to find worth and value in life. You really want to know how valuable you are in God's eyes? He made you in His image. He made you in His likeness. He breathed His life into you and He did not do that for any other living creature. He has a plan for your life. Yes, and He even blesses your life that you might live a flourishing life. That's God's original plan. When I talk about origin, going back to God's original plan, that's what I want to get us back to. But the problem is, is we were made and it was very good. But we're living at the other end of the spectrum of deceitful, desperately wicked. How did we get there? What happened? Where did the wheels fall off the bus that... That something like that were to happen. Turn in your Bibles to, to, to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look today as we introduce a new section. Chapter 1 and 2 is a beautiful section. Comparable, if you will, to the perfected world that God's going to take us to in Revelation 22, 21 and 22. But we are now li- dealing in chapter 3 with a different storyline. And we're going to see introduced to the story a new character. Up until this point, it's just been God's plants, his animals, his earth, his water, his sea, Adam and Eve living beautifully, naked and unashamed, fully known, fully loved, all all that message from last week. And now, boom, we come to chapter 3. And a new character in very very first verse is introduced. This character, as we might know it, if you might already know it, is a serpent. But don't get lost in the serpent. Don't get lost in the snake. That's only a physical manifestation of a spiritual being. Hear that. Don't get lost in that. Because some people want to focus on the snake. Other times in the scripture, this same spiritual manifestation of this, he comes as a dragon. He comes as a lion. He comes as a sea creature. So there's a lot of manifestations of this particular character. 
This particular character, I'm going to call him your adversary, your accuser. He doesn't like you, but he wants you. He wants me. He wants all of us. And the way it came into be is that there was a beautiful archangel. And this beautiful archangel decided that he was going to coup d'etat on God in the heavens. And we get a picture of that in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, whenever the great dragon was thrown down. Again, here's a reference to him being a dragon. But then it comes back and refers to him as an ancient serpent. Ancient serpent referring back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, which will be in a moment. Who is called the devil and Satan. Introduce now his names. His names. Devil and Satan. Devil is the Greek word for adversary. Satan is the Hebrew word for adversary. So when you think about Satan, when you think about the devil, you think about somebody with all the hounds of hell after you. He is your adversary in life. And it goes on to say that this deceiver, remember I just referred you back to Jeremiah 17, 9. Don't miss it here. He is called the deceiver of the whole world. So where does this deceptive virus come a part of our operating system? I want to say it goes back to a person, an ad, a, per, a spiritual being who's our adversary, who is called Satan. He's thrown down to earth and the angels are thrown down with him. Where does this cosmic throwdown happen? Can you imagine the cosmic battle between good and evil, light and darkness and, and life and death and all of this? Where does this happen in the timeline of God's creation? Now, again, I've told you before, Genesis doesn't always tell us how. It doesn't always tell us when. It just tells us what. So we have to just deal with that. I'm going to propose, this is total Mike McDaniel, those other people would believe this, this is total Mike McDaniel. I put it back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when it was, the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the earth. I believe at that point in time, again, Mike, Mike McDaniel, I can't go to chapter and verse, but there has to be, when does it happen? Because this deceiver all of a sudden comes into God's perfect world. Where does he come in? How does he get there? I believe it happens back in, in before God created the, the, uh, the earth that we live on, the, our lives. He created this world in his perfect order. I believe that's when the cosmic battle happened. That the angels were thrown down. Satan was thrown down with him. And we have this incredible shalom is vandalized. Peace. The cosmos is interrupted. There are 22 different names for Satan in Scripture. 22. 52 times he's referred to as Satan, so therefore I will refer to him as that. But before he was Satan, before he was the devil, he was Lucifer. That's his name before. It's his name when he was an angel. And whenever you look at the Scriptures in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, which is one of the accounts of the, the fall of Satan. The other one that you can read is in Ezekiel chapter 28. But when you read Isaiah 14 verse 12, it says, notice this, how you are fallen from heaven. O star, O star, son of dawn, 
how you are cut down to the ground. Sounds a lot like Revelation 12 that we just read uh, a few moments ago. Whenever he's thrown down to the ground, very similar. Star, O star, O son of the dawn. Lucifer means light. The morning star is what his name refers to. How does all of this pertain to us? Where does the operating system get jacked up? It happens in Genesis chapter 3. And what happened to Adam and Eve, our mother and our father, does ripple down to you and me to this day. And it ripples down to James and Selah this past week. And you can't get away from it. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says it like this. Just as sin came into this world through one man, through one person, death through sin... So death has spread to all men because all have sinned. So hang on to this message. It's not going to be easy to hear, but it is hopefully an epiphany of your soul that's going to happen when you realize the complexities of this world, the darkness of this world was not God's original design. The evil, the vile, the deceit of this world, the the backbiting, the envy of this world, that's not God's original design. What God's design was beautiful and perfect and right and good. So now let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Introduction of this character. And it says that now the serpent was more crafty. Underscore the phrase crafty, more crafty. The serpent, again, he calls him a serpent because that's the manifestation that he comes in. Was it a literal? Was it a figurative? I don't know. Did he come as a dragon? I don't know. Was it figurative? Did he, did he, did he come as a liathan? I don't know. Was it figurative? You know, there's, there's other references to him. Uh, I'll just say this. He was a serpent, was more crafty than any other beast of the field and the Lord, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say? Underscore that phrase. Did God actually say? You shall not eat of the tree of the garden. For the woman said to the, the serpent, so now the woman speaks back to him, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. We'll deal with that next week. Verse 4, and the serpent speaks a second time. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that you eat of the, uh, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Circle the word evil, highlight the word evil, make it pop off your page. I'll explain that in a moment. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to his, to the eyes, that the tree was desired to be, make one wise, she took of the fruit and she ate it and also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. So the husband was all along by her side the entire time. That we'll cover next week. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. And they sewn fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. I can tell you this, that going into this week, I intended to share this message in one week. One, the entire chapter 3. 
I got in on Tuesday morning and started my study time and immediately realized this is not a one-week message. This is a two-week message. So it was going to be chapter one, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, and then I was going to go on the next week, and I was going to finish it out. Friday morning, I'm still working on my message. I'm still overwhelmed by the amount of, of, of theological, personal, practical, philosophical content. I'm literally... I, I'm, I'm still working at noon on Sunday, uh, 11.30 on, uh, on Friday morning. I said, I've got to stop. So what was going to be one message turned into three messages. And this is why. If you look at all the content, there are ten theological issues that are, that are uncovered just in chapter three alone. Satan, devil, vulnerability, humanity, evil, deceit, sin is introduced. The topic of theodicy. Why does a good God allow bad to come into this world? See, these are questions that people are asking every day of their life. What about justice? When is justice going to be served? Guilt, shame, choice. Uh, God actually built into the cosmic order choice, decisions, the freedom of the will, social order within the family, introduction to crucifixion, and even death. It was never a part of God's original design, but it's now a part of the story. All of that's in chapter 3. Now let's cover that in 35 minutes. Not going to happen. Three weeks now that we're going to be looking at this. Let's pray together. We've got to get God's help on this. Father God, may we understand that there is an external part of us that we spend a lot of time making up, looking good, creating images and reflections of what we want to be known as in this world. But Lord, there is an internal part of us that you designed to be beautiful and very good. But deception, brokenness, sin has entered in to every last one of us and we must deal with the brokenness of our operating system. Help us to understand our adversary. Help us to, to live in victory. Lord, be our teacher today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to talk about two persons involved in the fall, okay? Two persons involved in the fall. First of all, we're going to deal only this week with the crafty deceiver. So let's look at the crafty deceiver. Let's understand our enemy. I don't normally, would not normally do this, but I want to focus on our enemy, this more crafty one. Serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. The word crafty means shrewd, means subtle, means deceptive. He actually has a game plan. He actually is working on that game plan. He's actually becoming a great salesman to his game plan. He has a marketing strategy. He is wanting to get access to you, but he's not going to bulge you over. He's going to subtly, shrewdly enter into your story, begin to shift your emotions, shift your will, change your mind, move you in a direction that will lead you down a dark path. We've got to understand what this word deception that continues to show up in Jeremiah, continues to show up in Revelation, continues to show up. It's always attached to Satan. What does the word deception Deception mean? It means it's a lie posing as the truth. And the problem is, 
is that we sometimes can't distinguish a truth from a lie, so therefore we take the deception and we bite down on it and we believe it. But we gotta understand all the way in 2 John chapter, or 2 John 7, there's only one chapter, is that the Antichrist is attached as a deceiver. Revelation 20 verse 10, the devil had deceived them. Satan is disguising himself as an angel of light, as Lucifer, that morning star, as an angel of light in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. So how does it that Lucifer, the angel of light, become the father of lies? In John chapter 8, verse 44, don't miss this. He says, you are, Jesus is speaking here, you are the father of the devil. You are your father, you are of your father, the devil. By the way, he's speaking to humanity. There's an attachment that all of us have back to the devil. And you will, and your will is to do your father's desires. That's not a good thing. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. Because there is no truth in him. Hang on to that phrase. There is no truth in him. There is no absolute truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So five different times, lying and not truth telling define Satan himself. Whenever you think about an operating system with a virus and that firewall has been compromised and now it's become a part of us, what then do we take on? We take on that same level of deception where we start believing and we start espousing lies as truth. A trusted friend will will peer pressure us into doing something that we know is not right, but they will pitch it as the best thing since sliced bread. Teenagers, listen to this. You're going to have to, adults, listen to this. You're going to have to look past the lies. Political parties will espouse conspiracy theories that have no basis for the truth. Why? Because truth's not important. It's my truth that's important. Be aware that the agendas of those same political parties that pose as good, but are underneath the surface are lies and brokenness and vile and evil and a moral code of conduct that is not of God. Voices in our head will deceive us. Our conscience is marred. It is not whole. It is not complete. And the person who says, just listen to your conscience is actually telling you a lie. Beware of your conscience. Self-deception may be the most uncalculated, unaccounted for ways that Satan deceives us. Cornelius Plannington said it like this. Self-deception about our sin is a narcotic, a tranquilizing, disorient suppression of the spiritual nervous system. Deceitful, desperately wicked. How does Satan manifests himself. How does he do this? If you look at verse 1, he does it because he causes us to doubt God's word. Did God actually say? Did, I underscore that, verse 1, did God actually say? Now notice that Satan does not come at us full guns a blazing saying God did not say. 
He just wants you to doubt what God said. He just wants you to begin to, hmm, does that really pertain to me? Or is that some ancient old old truth that really doesn't apply to us today? And there's so many different interpretations out there. Maybe God didn't say that. And again, he doesn't care how you get at doubt, just get to doubt. Okay? Get there as fast as you can. We are living, I don't know if you realize this, we're living in a post-truth world. Where we talk about fake news and real news. Where we talk about misinformation and disinformation. You realize that there's actually definitions for that, but that's what's making up our culture. This misinformation is the false information that one spreads because they believe it's true. Disinformation is whenever it's false information that one spreads because they know it's not true. But yet that will make up our social medias, our lives, our, and we have lost the sense of what it means to know what truth is. Because we align, because we believe, because we want to believe. And the church has been struggling with this for years. Christianity has been struggling with this in the year May of 2002. Barna did a study, this is years ago, asking America, what truth is out there? Or is there truth? Is there absolute truth out there? 22% of Americans said that there is solid, set, absolute truth. 64% said that it's based on opinions and circumstances. Satan can get us to doubt truth. He's got us. The first hack that he will do will make truth relative. Make truth. It's your truth, my truth, your truth. We all have our own truths. Make truth relative. It's the first hack that he will do into our life. Number, uh, number, uh, number two is he will get us to deny God's word. Doubt it, deny it. Doubt it leads to denying the very next words out of Satan's mouth is in verse 4. And he says this, you will not surely die. Now again, i got to refer you back to chapter 1, or chapter 2. you got to go back up there and read it for yourself. Verse 16 and 17, God was very explicit, very clear on what would happen if you eat of this fruit. And we'll go there next week, but I just want you to go there yourself this week on your own. But I want you to realize that hack number two is that he wants to erase God's truth. Once he gets us to, to make truth relative, then let's just erase it. Let's just get rid of it. God didn't say this, did he really? Nah, surely not. And then he goes and he says, you'll not die. He just starts erasing it. Get rid of it. You do your own thing. You do you. We've, we've seen this in education world. Whenever, whenever we, we say that we come from slime, we're just going to erase the scriptures. We're going to erase the creation narrative. There's so many gaps in the evolutionary chain. It it takes more faith to believe in the evolution that we came from seaweed to humanity. That takes more faith than to believe that there might be a God in the universe who might have spoke me into existence. That that takes less faith than the evolutionary chain. Identity? Man, we're struggling with identity in our age, right? I've talked about this for several weeks now. We got sexual identity, gender identity. We got, we got people identity attached to their job, attached to their title, their fame and their fortune. Their identity is wrapped up in so many other things. And when, 
this crumbles in any way, they lose their identity. And their identity is not that. It's the fact that I'm made by God. I'm made in the likeness of God. God breathed into me. God has a plan for me. There's my identity. There's my worth. Stake your... But if Satan can get us to erase truth after we've made truth relative, he's winning the battle. Morality. We had 22 plans, some marriage plans written across our state I mentioned last week. 22 different options, if you will. God says, no, there's one. You want a good relationship? You want a God-honoring relationship? Take a man and a woman, put them together for life. Put them together for life. And let them be naked and unashamed, fully known and fully aware of each other and fully in love with each other. First hack of God's truth is to make it relative. Second hack is to erase God's truth. Third is that he wants to destroy God's word. And the hack here is that he wants to revive, revise God's truth. Make it your truth. If I hear the phrase one more time, well, that's your truth, this is my truth, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. Because there isn't your truth, my truth. There's truth. The question is, am I going to align to truth? Am I going to leave my political party when my political party is not speaking truth? Am I, going to, am I going to call out people in my life when they're not living truth? Am I going to call myself out when I'm living in self-deception? And put myself back in line with the truth of God? Because otherwise, we'll just revise the truth. Doubt leads to denial, leads to destruction. And what does he say in verse, verse 5? He says, you will be like God. You will be like God. So now he's totally changed it. He's caused us to doubt it. He's caused us to erase it. And now he's rewriting it to say what? You're going to be God. Now who doesn't want that? You give me a pathway to being the God of my own universe and I'm on it. Satan will sell you the bill of goods. Every single day. Because you know what? It's the bill of goods that he lived out in his own story. We live out the story, listen, of the devil when we make ourselves God. Isaiah 14, verse 12 and 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O star of the son of dawn? You, you saw that earlier? How have you cut down to the ground? So how did it happen? How, how did all that happen? How, the, how did Satan fall? You laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens above the stars. I will set my throne on high. I will set my mount on the assembly on the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And in the last phrase is, I will make myself like the most high. I want to be God. So what does Satan do? He turns around and says, hey, you can be God of your own little universe. You just deny God's truth, doubt it, deny it, write your own. Become the God of your own universe. And then verse 5, the only truth, and Satan will always give us a little bit of truth and a whole lot of lie. The only truth that was true of his offer to them is that you will know good and evil. You will know good and evil. Up until that time, all they knew was good. 
You know what God wanted us to have in our life? That's why this whole theodicy was, again, we've got several weeks of this. This is like a series in a series in a series. But if you think about this, God's intent was good. And for us to live in good and beautiful and right and holy. Satan introduces evil and he says, you'll know good and evil. Up until that point, they were only going to know good. They were never going to die. They were never going to be sick. They were ne- No, that was introduction of Satan. As Aeneas of Alexandria said, 298 AD, he said, who were created out of nothing, corrupt ourselves back into nothing. See, when we sin, we go back into nothing by our rebellion and defection. The word of God that called us into being would have preserved us from the natural mortality if we had remained constant infidelity and attentiveness. Get self-deceived and we lose a sense of attentiveness. But a spurning of God's word, we turn away from God's word, deny God's word, doubt God's word, we destroy God's word, we become bereft of being and we begin to physically disintegrate to abide in death and corruption. Hell, Satan, darkness, evil was never a part of God's plan. It was Satan who introduced it. It was man who bit down on it. And we are living in the consequences of it. Uh, I close just by challenging you with this. that I, 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 In 12th, 12th grade in high school, I dealt with the first demon-possessed person. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and, and I didn't seek it out. They, they sought me out and worked with them and got counsel from my pastor. And we worked through that. And this person is alive and well today and lives in Northwest Arkansas. And thank God that, that, that they're free from that. Uh, but I got a education theologically when I went to seminary in demon possessions and demon, demonization. Uh, go to Africa, got a life lessons in lots of it, exposed to lots of it. Uh, and I say all this, as much as dark and bad as demon possession is, I want to tell you what I think is maybe the worst is demon oppression is whenever believers allow themselves to be influenced by the darkness and they don't call it out. We've got to realize your adversary is like a roaring lion. He is prowling about, seeking who he may devour. He's not playing games. What do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Be sober and watchful. Be sober. Wake up, guys. Wake up, girls. Wake up, teenagers. Wake up, students. Wake up. Be sober. Be watchful. It's real. (laughs) And anchor your life to truth. Truth is not a theory, a concept, a philosophy. Truth is a person who spoke words, and his words are tied back to the person. And that person is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It comes to a personal, deep relationship that's abiding, and you don't veer off of that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, forgive us for the times that we look more like our father, the devil, living out lies, biting on self-deception, 
May we see truth, know truth, live truth, anchor our life to your truth. As you just sit there in a moment of silence, I want you to think deeply about a lie. Maybe not 10, a lie you've been living. You've justified it through self-deception. A lie that you've been believing. A lie that's been shaping you. Take it to truth. Truth, not the theory, not the... Take it to the person of truth. Say, Jesus, I need truth. I need freedom from this lie. Father God, you know our hearts. May we not miss truth in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. You can sing with us. You can stay seated. This is your time to listen and respond to the Lord.